0: Consider your last-minute meetings, get-togethers, or celebrations handled because McAllister's Deli brings their best to every event. From delivery and setup to big appetites and the smallest details, McAllister's Deli has you covered. Go to McAllister'sDeli.com backslash catering and let's stay connected. That's McAllister's Deli in Carbondale, the official healthy choice option of Saluki Athletics. Hey, I'm Connor Onion, your host of the Saluki Standards Podcast. And this episode, we're talking Saluki men's golf with Mathis Bassard, the 2019 Newcomer of the Year in the Missouri Valley Conference. And that season, he helped lead the Salukis to the NCAA tournament as they won the Missouri Valley Championship as a team. Uh, Mathis is from Belgium, and uh, this conversation did happen during winter break a couple of months ago, so uh, we're throwing it back a few months, but... Uh, most of the stuff still relevant uh, and we'll get into Mathis's story as well. So uh, enjoy this conversation with Mathis Bazaard.
1: Hey Connor, thanks for having me. Um, actually, everything is going pretty good. Um, seen I mean, with the circumstances, everything's fine. Uh, it's good to be home. I haven't been home since August and uh, it's good to see the family. It's been a crazy year for sure, um, but we're just making it work, and I'm excited. I hope that next semester everything goes back to normal, and that we can have a, a season. So that's basically what's going on.
0: Yeah, I, I should have started with "Good evening to you" and "Good morning for us." We're uh, yeah. we're wrapping uh, yeah. up breakfast, and well, you're, you're back home in Belgium, ready for dinner. Excuse me. I said you're you're back in Belgium, ready for dinner time at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's a seven-hour time difference, so. Um, that's a bit annoying when you get back. So it's, it messes up your sleep quite a lot.
0: How was the, the lag? Did you did you have a couple of days where you were jet lagged? I, I still have
1: it. I can't fall asleep until 3 or 4 a.m. And then um, I'm trying to wake up at a normal hour. That way I, I get I can adjust, but it's pretty difficult. Um, it usually takes me around a week to get used to it. So it's all right. It's It's only when I get to Belgium, though. When I go to the U.S., it's like – it's different. like you just stay up late. And if you sleep 12 hours, <clears throat> you're totally fine. But out here, because I arrive here in the morning, like 8 a.m., I basically have to go 48 hours without sleeping.
0: Um, so
1: that's that's the difficult part.
0: Your family doesn't get to see Grumpy Mathis, though, because you got to quarantine right when you get home, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. For um, 10 days, I think. That's how much it's going to be. Um, and whenever i get back from the airplane because i've been up for so long and they haven't seen me in five months obviously they're starting to ask questions and all that stuff and i'm just thinking i, I just want to go to bed like it's it's like i'm trying to not be grumpy at all I'm trying to be as nice as possible but then they're asking loads of questions and i'm just like i'm just trying to get some sleep <laughs> like you can talk to me as much as you want at dinner but right now i just i just trying to go to bed
0: i don't hear anything you're saying <laughs> i just i just want to go to bed
1: no, 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 no. I'm saying that's, that's kind of the scenario when, when you exactly. got Exactly. It's an hour car drive from the airport to my house. And in the, in, the, in the car, I'm just sitting trying not to fall asleep because they're talking to me. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So.
0: Uh, well, you guys had a, a chance this past spring to potentially repeat as conference champions. And in March, things get shut down. How um, difficult was that not to get a, another crack at a conference championship?
1: It was very, very difficult, Um, for sure, since I think every single one of us were disappointed with the season that we're having thus far, and I felt like like we were turning it around. We were getting our form back, and I I was excited to go out and kind of redeem ourselves a little bit, trying to make ourselves feel good about the season, and everything gets shut down, and all you have for those five months of quarantine is you you, you look back on a season that you're kind of disappointed about, and it, it was the worst thing ever. Like the last tournament you look back on, you just think about how kind of like you should have done better and all this stuff. Um, but we're having another go this semester. Um, positive thing is we're feeling good. The team's feeling good, and now we can win back to back. That's that's what we're saying. If we win, we win back to back, nineteen and twenty one. So uh, that's where the focus is at.
0: Yeah. Uh, how much could you play when things got shut down and? You, you you couldn't be around your teammates and stuff like that. Did you get out by yourself?
1: Uh, so I, I think I stayed in Carbondale for two more weeks, um, and then I left uh, end of March, begin April, and then the first three weeks here in Belgium, everything was in lockdown, so even the courses were closed. And then because um, I'm on a national team in Belgium, they opened facilities just for the national players, and for like the players that are in top of the country, um, so I could practice for then for two weeks and then they just opened up the golf courses for everyone. Um, but yeah, I just basically for the first two months, I just practiced by myself.
0: A lot of mental type stuff. I mean, did you, did you replay some of the holes from throughout the,
1: the last spring and fall? Oh no, for sure. For sure. I beat myself up quite a lot about stupid st- stuff I did in the, in the tournaments. But at, at the end of it, that's how you learn. At, like mentally that's how you get better is if you, think about the mistakes that you made. And if you think, okay, how could I, could I have done that better? How I could have controlled my emotions better. Um, so yeah, if you, and I actually got into meditating then over the quarantine. So I used that time to start meditating, um, which I think is quite interesting. I thought it was very helpful as well. Um, so no, I tried to use my time as good as possible.
0: Why'd you turn to the meditation? That's interesting.
1: Um, it's. Basically, what meditating is about is, is you give yourself time between um, the reaction and something that causes a reaction. So in golf, if you're not playing well, it's very easy to just get down the road and start beating yourself up and get tracked, like get, lose yourself in the round. Meditating, meditating gives you basically the extra 10 seconds where you breathe and start getting back in the, in the present, thinking about the now. Um, which is huge for golf. And honestly, there's there's loads of teams that do meditating. Uh, on my flight home, this to this week, um, I sat next to uh, the national coach of the U.S. women's soccer team. He's from Belgium, actually, or like he works with the national coach of the U.S. And he was talking to me how the Miami Heat, he works with them, how they use meditating as well. So there's loads of athletes, loads of different teams, loads of different sports that use meditating. And there's a huge advantage to it in sports. Is
0: is that something you do before a round or is is that something you can tap into, you know, while you're walking down the fairway getting ready to putt?
1: it's it's I think it's more of like in the beginning of beginning of the day. That's where I do it. It's it's this app that I use. It's um and it's like before you like you start your day with 10 minutes of meditating. Um and then you can use those techniques throughout your whole day. It doesn't have to be with golf, just can be whatever in the situation where you feel stressed. If you just take a breath for like 10 seconds, it, it just brings you back in present, which I think is good. Yeah.
0: Do you think that's something that you would have acquired if COVID hadn't happened?
1: I for sure wouldn't have used it because it, in, the, in the three weeks I couldn't play golf, I was still trying to get better. So I was, find, I was trying to find loads of different things, trying to like look out, think outside the box about what can make me better. And I also used this um, fitness band called Whoop. I'm not sure if you heard of it or not. It's, it's basically a fitness band um, that tracks your sleep and your, um, your recovery and all that stuff. So I, I, I got into like how much sleep you need, um, what you need to do to recover as fast as possible and all that stuff. Uh, I tried to learn that. So I was really, really trying to get better outside golf, basically, just trying to become a better athlete, I guess.
0: Hmm. You're, uh, you're very analytical about your performance, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I like, I like to. It's, if, if it, can, like, it doesn't have to be much, but if it gives you an advantage to your opponents, then why wouldn't you do it? If it's, if it's out there, the information is out there for you to use and all you have to do is just do it, and it gives you an advantage towards other people, then why, why, why wouldn't you do it?
0: Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious about the conversation you had on the plane. What all did you, did you pick up on from that conversation?
1: Oh, it was um, – he was basically talking to me about a team environment. He said, um, "The environment of players is big. Um, The environment. So you have people, you have behavior, and then you have your environment. Environment asks for not asks an environment pushes for people to behave in a certain way. So if you have a player that behaves differently or aggressive, there's this environment pushes him to be that way. So as a coach." What you be is what you think is. How can I change the environment so that player will change change his behavior? That was basically um, all we talked about, which I thought was very interesting.
0: The I mean that that's in the context of soccer or basketball, which are team sports. How do you think that everything? How, how do you think it applies to golf?
1: Um. Well, yeah, we're still a team of nine. I mean, if you include our coach, it's ten. Like you're still Team of ten, sure, you're individual when you play golf, but when you practice, when you in the gym, all that stuff, we're still a team. We still hang out with each other all the time. The environment is still the same. Yeah, we might not compete together, like not like in the same team while we're actually playing, playing, but we're still a team. The environment is still the same. So it, you can still learn from it.
0: For sure. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um you so you you go home and then you know there's there's talk of trying to get the international students back on campus, but maybe you can't get back on campus during the summer. I mean, what were, what were those weeks like where maybe there's some anxiety of I'm going back or maybe I'm not going back to Carbondale?
1: Yeah, it was, it was very stressful. It was the one week you think, Oh, like I was planning on returning to the U S in June to play loads of tournaments in June and July, since everything out here was canceled. Um, And then We'll see, you now in May, they said, yeah, internationals can't go to the U.S. So there was a period where I was talking to my teammates, internationals, and they were saying, "Like Matt, I don't think, I don't think we'll be able to go to the U.S. in 2020 at all. I don't think we'll be able to go back for the fall semester. And I was trying to be positive. And I was saying, like, no, no, like, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Um, it, it just, the situation changed so fast. We went from thinking we were not going to be able to get back at all in end of June, end of July at least, to the one week saying, okay, international, can get back. And basically, as soon as we heard the news that we could get back, we, I hopped on a plane to the U.S. just to make sure they we weren't going to change their minds. What was, what was the timeline on that? Was it literally like the next day? It was a week. Like, I heard the news that I could get back, and I, that day I booked a plane to the U.S. I think it was the 3rd or the 4th of August. I was playing a tournament in Germany at that time. Um, so I, I, would have lo- I would have left straight away. But because I was playing a tournament in Germany at the time, I had to wait until I, the tournament was done. So that's why it took a week. But, yeah, it was pretty short notice. D-
0: did you have a place lined up to live? Uh, I mean, there, there are a bunch of logistics things I'm sure you had to figure out in coming back and not knowing a week prior hmm. that you would be coming back.
1: I, I have an apartment. Um, in Carbondale so I, I live with three of my teammates so um, I could just go into the apartment so living wasn't really an issue um, it was more like making sure they were going to let me like through at the border um, so I, I actually got to the airport and I, I checked in and then at the border control I said I was going to go to the US and they're like are the borders open yet and I was like well I'm at the airport I hope they are um, so they had to check first if the borders were open. That took quite, that took like half an hour. They had to look up everything. Um, and after they checked, like, okay, apparently they are open. They let me through. And then had had to go through border control in the U.S., uh, which was the same story. I was international. Um, I had to explain to them that because I'm an athlete, it was essential travel. And I, because I study there. Um, and then after a while, they let me through as well. So.
0: So did you have to talk your way into it?
1: Not, not really. I just think it's because it was such, such short notice. They weren't really, they didn't really know what the situation was. So they had to look it up first to let me, to let me in. I didn't really talk my way through it. That, that's not really how it happened.
0: <laughs> that, would have, that would have been quite a story if you got all the way to the U.S. and had to talk your way into getting through border patrol.
1: I mean, it would have been a different story if I had to call my parents from the U.S. saying like, yeah, I, I, they don't they won't let me in. I need to go back to Belgium. Yeah. That would I'm, have been I'm big. Glad
0: I'm glad you didn't have to do that. No, I know. Yeah. Um well not not too long after that a little another wrinkle for Saluki Golfers coach Fetcho decides he's going to move on and you know go into the business world and um give up coaching for now. Um what was your reaction when when that went on?
1: Um seriously? Um it was just of like uh, it, we didn't really see, I didn't really see it coming. Like, I, I it was, he just kind of announced it and I'm like, i like, I didn't see it coming at all. Um, it was more of a, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Um, obviously, Coach show he has to do what makes him happy. We all understood. Um, uh, it, yeah, it was, it was, I don't really know, it was, it was a bit annoying, I guess. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, everything's fine. Bud
0: Light has created a seltzer so satisfying, it will have your taste buds going wild. Bud Light seltzer is the official seltzer of Saluki Athletics. Let's talk a little bit about your 2019 season when you were MVC Newcomer of the Year and you guys you know, go to the NCAA tournament after winning the MVC tournament. Um, yeah. I, I mean, just just summarizing that year as a whole, I'm sure it's super exciting for you, but um what was your favorite part of of that year uh
1: 2019 or can i include 2018 as well yeah
0: i mean i guess it's the fall fall of 2018 and the spring of 19 right
1: um i mean for me personally a highlight is winning my first event i think i feel like it almost has to be um mvc new crumb of the year is was big as well because it's more of a you get an acknowledgement for everything you did the whole year. It basically summarizes everything you did the whole year, and they say, like, you, you're the best new guy, which, which, which was great. Um, as a team aspect, winning conference was something I've never ever experienced before with golf. Golf has always been an individual sport, for sure, when you're playing Europe. Um, I made the national team once or twice, but we never won anything as a, with a national team. And to actually win... With a team it was it was crazy i didn't I was a bit disappointed with the way I finished that tournament, but it when the team won it just for me at that time it didn't really matter anymore it was It was such a good experience to win with a team it's it's crazy
0: what's the feeling of winning an individual event versus winning a team event like that one
1: um, when when you play individually you're playing for yourself. You're not scared to let anyone down. All you do is it's my responsibility. If I play bad and I give it away, this is me letting myself down. So if you win, all you do is you have this huge feeling of um just basically you're just celebrating by yourself and everyone's happy for you, but they don't really relate to the feeling because they you they're not the ones that won. You're the one and they're happy for you. While winning with the team, you're sharing the winning feeling with four or five, eight other guys at least. So that's the difference is you all won. You all have the same feeling and you share that feeling with, in the situation, which is – it was amazing.
0: Makes you want it again?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's – I mean, yeah, it's we, – we just talk about how cool would it be if we win again. That, that's, the, that's the whole – that's what everyone's doing. That's why everyone's training, practicing right now over, um, over off-seasons because that's, that's the goal, to win back-to-back.
0: Why do you think you are ready for that right away, to, to be a, a strong individual performer as a newcomer and also uh, fit into a championship team?
1: It was – when I look back on my freshman year, I feel like I didn't realize at the time what I was doing. I was – I was just going about my business and I was doing what I thought I needed to do to get better. Um, When I won my first tournament, I didn't know anything about college sports. I didn't know what the good teams were and what the bad teams were. You could have paired me with Auburn and Oklahoma, two of the biggest universities, and I wouldn't have known. You could have paired me with the smallest universities, and I wouldn't have known. I just focused on what I could do, and I went out and had a great week and won the tournament and I feel like that's what basically what I did the whole year is I didn't really know who I was competing against I was just taking care of myself and that on top of playing good golf I just had a great great year um and then uh with the championship team it was I'm not gonna say it was easy for me because but it was kind of it kind of was if you have Luke and Peyton the two seniors at the time they were both great great players they Um, like, they were both number one and two on the team, and I was third. And I never really thought about being third. I was just all I was focusing on is how they were beating me. And so it was. I never really had a feeling of oh, I'm, I'm like, I have done enough. I've always like, oh, they're still beating me. I want to get better because I want to beat them. And that was sort of the the whole focus for me throughout the year was just trying to beat Peyton and Luke. Um, and if you see how they're playing on professional level now, it doesn't surprise you. It just shows how great of a player they both are and how important they were in, the, in that year in the championship team.
0: Now that you are more aware of college sports, is it harder? Do you, do you think more about what you're doing when you're doing it?
1: Um, I feel like my sophomore year did. I think for me personally, that's the reason why I haven't had a great sophomore year is because I got caught up in the whole, the whole thing of um, last year I beat all these players that are in big teams. Now that I know they're big teams, i beat them before. I should beat them again. But for some reason it's more difficult. Um, but, um, I'm, I'm trying to step away from it. It's at the end of the day, they're just, they're just players. Right? And it's quite funny. Um, I saw an interview with someone and they were basically talking about how you shouldn't, like, it doesn't matter who you're playing against because, um, at the end of the day, they got to take as well. Like, they, like, they, like, it's it's pretty, it's not really how I wanted to word it, but it's, they're just humans as well. Like, yeah, sure, they're good golfers, but it's like, they're, they're just people as well. Like, it doesn't, there's no reason why I wouldn't beat them. Like, I'm putting in the work. I've beat them before. So, if I just go out and do my thing, there's no reason why I shouldn't beat them. Um, that's kind of the mindset that I'm trying to have
0: what that's uh a <laughs> beautifully worded by the way yeah. um, <laughs> what i mean what's what's a uh, what's a technical tweak that you've made in your swing or uh in in a certain part of your game from freshman year to junior year
1: yeah um if i look back pure technical i think i'm 10 times better now than i was freshman year which is quite no, I wouldn't say weird. I just, I've been working very, very hard on the technical aspect, and I feel like my knowledge about everything about the game is so much more than where it was freshman year. Um, and I was talking to a coach out here in Belgium, and he was telling me, he's like, sometimes you got to take two steps back to take three forward. And I feel like that's kind of what I'm trying to do. I didn't – not on purposely, but, like, sometimes you're always going to go – Through dips. You're going to have times where you're not playing as good, and then you're only going to come out stronger. Um, Technically, what I'm working on now, um, I started seeing this new swing coach in Nashville. Um, He's been helping me uh, quite a lot. His name is Ben Bellicani. I'm very, very happy with everything. Um, And I just started working with him uh, three weeks ago. So we're working together through the offseason um and basically we're working on putting and then uh, a long game trying to I could I could see a whole lot of technical stuff but I don't really think it would make sense so <laughs> that's that's all right you could uh you could sprinkle a little on us basically what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to have a better turn in the backswing so have better rotation have more depth in the backswing that way I can shallow it out early and then if I deliver what right with my release, with my hands, um, I should have more club face stability.
0: So let me, let me see if I follow this at all. So okay. more, de- more depth in the backswing is, yeah. in, in, in layman's terms, you're going further back behind your head?
1: Not really. Okay. <laughs> I'll try it. So if you look at a golf swing from down the line, right? Okay. Depth means being with your hands forward or backwards. So depth means in this sense. So this would be more deep. So behind your back would be more deep and in front of you would be less deep. So I'm trying to have more depth in my back swing, which means I'm trying to have my hands forward more forward back.
0: Okay. So, so, so not, back. Exactly, not exactly behind the head, but behind the back.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And then the second part was what?
1: shallowing out um basically again if you look at the at the swing from down the line which basically means you're looking you're standing behind someone while someone is hitting towards the target if you look at the shaft so the shaft of the club is basically the steel on the the club head if you look at the shaft um the angle of which the shaft is when your left arm is parallel it can be steep, which is if it's vertical, it's steep. And if it's horizontal, it's shallow. Obviously, it's never going to be horizontal. If it's somewhere in between, you're shallow. Trying to shallow the club actually means trying to have it more horizontal than vertical. Gotcha. Does that make sense?
0: Okay. And then, and then the finishing piece was what?
1: The release. So basically, if you have a wrist, there's two movements with your wrist that's possible. So you can... Move it up and down or left and right. Up and down is a preferred motion with golf. Left and down is a whole lot of bad stuff. You're going to start flipping it and have no real control over, over your club face. Basically, what I'm trying to do is move, let my left wrist move more up and down and have more that wrist and hold it. That's the main thing. Hold my wrist through impact with the ball. And that way, kind of hold it that will make your club face more stable.
0: So depth on the backswing, shallow, yep. and then solid stable. with your wrist. Hold with your wrist. Exactly. That's what it is. Gotcha. Okay. I, I can see people that are listening to this at home kind of like going through the motions and getting
1: all, yeah, <laughs> yeah. all messed that's up I, with the hands. That's what I had to do. I, I was explaining it. I had to sit here and thinking like, okay, so depth is behind the back, I guess. And then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, wow, that's, that's pretty good. I think, I think people around the Carbondale area are going to be tearing it up now when they drive.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. That was a sweat trying to explain it.
0: <laughs> that was a, a sports science lesson with uh, the with yeah. um, what, what golfers do you study? What, what golfers on tour do you like to watch to get better?
1: Um, anyone, and particularly someone who I have huge respect for is Bryson DeChambeau. Um. What he's done, I'm not sure if you're know it or not. What he's done during his off season, he's put on 40 pounds, uh, and he's really, really starting to hit it farther. Um, just shows that golfers are athletes. I think that's where he he took the game to the next level, Bryson. He um, started seeing golfers more as athletes. He started working out a lot more. I mean, everyone, every single one of the people in the, like top hundred works out loads. So. That's not it, but he's been really taking it to the extreme and gaining pounds and really just trying to get Jack basically. Um and that's really, really been helping him. Um someone else I'd love to see is Roy McElroy. And then obviously Tiger Woods. That's that's the that's the obvious choice, isn't
0: it? You talk about the strength training. Um I mean, how is how is that applied to you? You didn't you didn't come in as you know a a huge physically imposing presence but but how have you added to that part of your body and your game
1: i'd say i was pretty big um (laughs) no no um yeah it's it's for sure one thing i need to work on i mean not pretty obvious if you see me i'm not i'm not one of the biggest guys at all um but that's kind of what i've been saying if i can put on some pounds skate some distance that's only an advantage i'm gonna have um so no, that's for sure that's one of my main work points is trying to trying to get bigger bigger and stronger and trying to hit it further um, so yeah that, that's that's basically it
0: wasn't that a thing with tiger for a while i mean he he almost got too big where
1: yeah he, he took it to the extreme he he messed up his his knees, he went through just for the sakes of us because his dad was in the in the army he went through uh, um, navy seal training just just for fun he just wanted to see how it was and she he absolutely just murdered his body that way. So he had loads of injuries, um, and his knees. uh, And then he had lower back problems. Um, if you're smart with it, you're like, if you're smart with the way you, you lift weights and that stuff, then you're fine. You gotta do loads of stretching. That's probably, that's the main thing.
0: Right. Right. Um, Final, final couple of ones for you. Uh, you know, in, in Belgium, you're so close to so many countries. I know you're talking about how you've, you've played a couple of different countries, but you know, Netherlands, Germany, France, England—all you, you know—you can get there within a few hours. Where's Where's your favorite place to travel throughout the continent?
1: Um, I love Italy. I've I've been to Italy loads of times. It's Not really the like the closest country, but Italy is by far I think the most prettiest country. Um, they basically have everything you, up north you have the mountains where you can ski so basically the alps then you have rome um i went to rome twice then you have florence went to florence four times um and then you have venice which is beautiful then you have sicilia um it's like the food the people there the culture the country has um everything about it i think is great i really, really like Italy.
0: You ever been to a place called space club in Florence space club? I can't,
1: I don't think I have. No, no.
0: (laughs) That was was a favorite spot when, uh, visited my best friend abroad. We went down to Florence place called space club. And then, um, then those, those lunch markets, um, where, where you just, I mean, they've got loads of the pastas and the cheeses and stuff like that. You ever just walk through on lunchtime down there in Florence?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, have I? Yeah. Yeah, loads of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always I always get the same thing, though. Um, that's, that's kind of the, p- the person I am. The, the second I find something I like, I just stick to it until I get used, just sick of it.
0: There you so, go. There you go. Do you speak any other languages being well-traveled?
1: Uh, so my native language is Dutch, Flemish. Then um, I had French in high school, so I would say I'm pretty good at French, obviously English since I've been in the U.S. for so long. Um I've had German in high school, but I wouldn't really say I could have a conversation in German. So I'd probably stick to Dutch, French, and uh Flemish. So, oh, English.
0: Yeah, when when did the English come? was was that something you spoke right away or?
1: Uh no, I I had English in high school for four years. And actually before I came to the US I thought my English was spot on. Like I thought my English was great. And then when I first got into the US it was it was quite embarrassing because my teammates, they I mean, at the beginning of the year, freshman year, they, they love to have, make fun of me um, for the way I spoke, like English and stuff like that. I would make loads of grammar errors. Um, so they thought it was funny to just laugh with me about that, but it's all good. Um, but I feel like now my English is at a point where it's, it's pretty good. So when I've, if, if I'm in the States for a long time, sometimes people can't even tell I have an accent. So they don't really know that I'm from another country.
0: Hey, man, you just knocked out a a 30-minute podcast in English. So pretty good.
1: There you go. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Well, thanks for doing it, man. Uh, I I hope you uh, enjoy your time back home, and we hope to see you back here in January.
1: Yep, thank you. Take care.
0: All right. That's uh, Mathis Bazaar here on the Saluki Standards Podcast with Saluki Men's Golf.